0: to do if you miss the GDPR deadline? The state of women in cybersecurity and can we trust banks to be custodians of our identities? These stories and more coming up on this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. What happens if organisations that must comply with GDPR have yet to achieve compliance, despite having two years to do so before enforcement began? In an interview with ISMG's executive editor, Matt Schwartz, cybersecurity expert Brian Honan suggests don't panic, but do be pursuing a data privacy transparency and accountability action plan. Here's more from that interview with Brian.
1: I think if companies can demonstrate, like, there's the key things to GDPR that companies need to keep in mind. And forget about all the fines and the punishment stuff. That's just the headline stuff that vendors want, want you to pay attention to and sort of to scare you into buying their products and services. The key thing that the regulatory authorities will look for is transparency and accountability and that you can demonstrate that you have started your journey, that you're taking this thing seriously, that you have the adequate resources to your project. Okay, even if you haven't finished, that at least you have... A plan of action and that you're on that plan already and you've started and that you have actions in place uh, etc and so the two things to keep in mind is accountability so are you keeping a record and a track of all the decisions you've made and why you're doing things the way you're doing it. Transparency are you being transparent with your data subjects as to how you're doing how you're managing their data how your protection is what you're doing with that data.
0: So Are there any specifically Irish nuances to GDPR? Here's Brian Hogan again.
1: It's very interesting to see the IAPP, which had a seminar a few weeks ago. They had the Data Protection
0: Commissioner for Ireland,
1: uh, Helen Dixon. They asked her that question, what are your priorities going to be post May 25th, 2018? Now, for the listeners, don't forget that our Irish Data Protection Commissioner has a unique situation where not only is the Data Protection Commissioner's Office in Ireland responsible for all the companies in Ireland and the data subjects in Ireland, but also for many of the large internet giants, especially those in the social media space, because their European headquarters is in Ireland. So companies like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. all have their European headquarters in Ireland, and that means they follow the remit of the Irish Data Protection Commissioner's Office. So they have quite a large... Uh, project ahead themselves to look after so today, like everybody else, are going to have to prioritize it. And one of the questions she was asked was, what is the Irish Data Detention Commission going to focus on post May the 25th? And the key message that came across was there was two things. Number one, every regulatory supervisory authority is required to respond to any request from data subjects, so that will take priority. And then secondly to that is they will be looking for evidence of transparency from every company that they come to audit. So the transparency aspect of GDPR is going to be absolutely critical to companies. So that's what I would suggest companies focus on, is the transparency and accountability element, which means you're going to have to identify what data you have, what personal data you have, where that data is, who has access to it, what you're using it for, why you're using it, how long you're going to use it for, and then document all that and every decision you've made and make sure you're transparent then with good, clear Easy to understand privacy notices, and at every contact point you have with your data subjects, be that online, be that over counters and shops, be that at advance of whatever you may be contacting data subjects, make sure you have that transparency and accountability principles well and truly in
2: You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news.
0: Cybersecurity challenges and solutions have evolved greatly since 2002, and so has the Executive Women's Forum, which was founded that year to advance careers for female leaders in the profession. In an interview with ISMG's SVP of Editorial, Tom Field, founder of the forum, Joyce Brocaglia, discusses the state of women in cybersecurity and the biggest challenges that women face in cybersecurity roles today.
3: In terms of the state of women in security, well, last year we co-authored a study with ISC Square that showed that women remain at about 14% of the workforce and are still underrepresented even more so when it comes to executive-level roles. Even more disturbing for me was the fact that women in cyber are still paid less at all the career levels. And over 50% of them had reported various forms of discrimination in their workplace. So, you know, that's why having an organization like the Executive Women's Forum really provides companies and the women that work for them a venue for empowering the women in our field Um, We've got about 50 of the Fortune 100 companies that are our corporate benefactors, so they host regional meetings at their headquarters where we typically gather over 100 women and men together, and these events not only highlight their executives as thought leaders, but it really gives them an opportunity to openly discuss and support the advancement of women in their companies as well as raising awareness about diversity issues, so it's, it's really a great way for our women to engage with women from other companies, but also, you know, for the male leadership um, in cybersecurity and the company in terms of their C-suite to really get involved.
0: So while there have been significant strides made since 2002 towards diversity in cybersecurity, there is still some way to go. Procaglia was asked where challenges for women remain today.
3: I think some of the biggest challenges that exist for women that want careers in cybersecurity is, well, let's address it. For the women that are already in, which is the community that we serve the most, it's the ability to move forward, be sponsored, be mentored, and not feel a need to opt out. Um, The dirty little secret, I feel, isn't just the pipeline of women coming into cybersecurity, but it's the women that are choosing to opt out because they're not getting the type of mentorship, leadership development, and access to executive-level positions. I think that that's the biggest challenge they face, and it certainly is one of the main reasons and one of the main topics that we gather, men and women alike, together at our um, regional meetings and talk about these issues, you know, and and talk about the importance of really sponsoring a woman, not just mentoring her, but creating opportunities for her, giving her stretch assignments, you know, being that voice that says something good when she's not in the room. And I think, you know, I just spoke the other day about unconscious biasness, and and I think that that does play a part. So, you know, if we can start to help companies to make that, you know, invisible, more visible, raise the awareness, you know, bring women forward you know I, I think we will be making a difference um, and I know that the EWF is making a difference in the companies that support us that are our corporate benefactors they have tremendous results many of them have 30 40 50 percent women on their team uh, and many of them have many women on their executive team so I think the numbers of that study would probably be a lot different if we looked at the slice of people that are involved in the in the EWF and I'd like to believe that we have something to do with that
0: finally I interviewed Ron Shevlin, director of research at Cornerstone Advisors, on a new report that they published on identity management in banking. I asked him whether he thought U.S. banks would be ready, willing, or able to be identity custodians.
2: The idea that the banks are going to come together and collaborate on this seems pretty far-fetched to me. You've got the underlying problem of trust. Consumers have trust in banks, and what that means is they trust that the money they put in there tonight will be there tomorrow. That's the trust consumers have. But trust around a digital identity management, I think that's a step too far. will give you a good example of that. And, uh, I was out at the Finovate conference a couple of weeks ago sitting in on a digital identity panel. And one of the, uh, the the panel participants was from Wells Fargo, who started talking about what uh, the bank is doing to uh, attack or to battle the, the bad actors. And I sat there and I thought to myself, dude, your firm created fictional accounts. You are the bad guys.
0: So is this purely a U.S. banks problem or is this something that has international impact? Here's Chevlin again.
2: There's a lot of challenges for the banks in in doing this, especially in the United States. But, you know, you look elsewhere in the U.K. and in Canada in particular, there is a lot of collaboration. So when we say banks haven't done anything, we've really got to put a geographic label on it. If we put a strictly United States lens on this, I would not be very bullish or optimistic that the banks will pull it off. I actually Nick would be a lot more optimistic that the credit unions could come together and do this. I see a lot of good work coming out of a consortium called CU Ledger that's doing a lot of work in the the technology space and specifically with digital identity, and I think they may have a better chance of coming together and implementing a solution that would be or an approach or a scheme, identity scheme that would be accepted by a wide range of credit unions and maybe set the the standard or the or the bar for what a more broader financial services solution might look like.
0: But is it just banks where there's a problem coming together for identity management or are there broader macro trends that we should be considering?
2: There's a lot of work that has to be done in the United States. And, you know, if we look broader than just financial services in the U.S., Nick, I think there's also a, you know, geopolitical issue in the U.S. right now that's going to, to slow any digital identity management efforts down to a, to a crawl. You know, on one side of the coin, any efforts in the United States to create a broad digital identity management approach is going to be seen by a lot of people as anti-immigration, and that's not a good thing. And then on the other side of the coin, I just don't think that our current administration, for whatever you might think about them, uh, you know, they're on an anti-regulatory push within financial services right now, and I don't think they're very technology savvy. I don't think there's going to be much focus from a technology perspective among the administration to want to wanna push for a digital identity management scheme that would involve the the, the banks. So not only do you have a problem with the banks, I think not having the trust, the ability to collaborate at the consortium level, I also don't think we're going to see much government push for this in the next couple of years. That's the ISMG Security Report. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.